Dreams are everywhere. Uh, just in the past week while I was preparing for this sermon, I found reference to dreams and dream language in two, v- two TV shows, a new song, a documentary, an email I got about a dream conference, ooh, um, and also a new Nicolas Cage movie, Dream Scenario, uh, and last week's Psalm 126 reading, we were like those who dreamed. Now, this is nothing new. Throughout history, there have been plenty of songs written about dreaming. Now, this is the crowd participation part. Don't leave me hanging. Fill in the gap here. Whenever I want you, all I have to do is dream. Dream, dream, dream. dream. Yeah, it's so good. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> all the youngins are like, what's that? <laughs> But Ben Rector, he's a, he's a modern songwriter, and he even writes in one of his new singles, Dream on, dream on, even when you're afraid that your dreams might be wrong. And Disney's Tangled has an entire song called I've Got a Dream, which I know way too much of because it was my daughter's favorite movie for a while. Because she dreams of seeing the floating lanterns gleam. And then there's all these ruffians and hooligans around her. And Thor dreams to one day be a florist. Gunter does interior design. Ulf is into mime. Attila's cupcakes are sublime. Bruiser knits, killer sews. Fang does little puppet shows. And Vladimir collects ceramic unicorns. But what is a dream? Well, a dream can be something that happens when you're asleep. And that's what we see in Joseph's story here. Joseph has two dreams. Uh, One of them is uh, what we heard, that there are 11 bundles of wheat that he dreams of, and, and they bow down to him. He also has another dream in which the sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to his star. Now, that wouldn't be so bad uh, unless you're already your father's favorite son and you've got 11 brothers who are not too happy about that. And now you're telling them, hey, guess what? You're all going to bow down to me, uh, the 10th born So just like any siblings would do, uh, they threw him in a well and sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt where he gets an administrative job uh, and does an excellent job at it. Uh, But through no fault of his own, he ends up in jail where he has an opportunity to accurately interpret some dreams for some fellow prisoners of his, one of whom goes back to work for Pharaoh. And he says, hey, when you go back to Pharaoh, remember me. He doesn't. Uh, So why dreams? Why is this, you know, it's like, okay, doesn't this seem kind of new agey, this whole dream thing? Does God actually speak through dreams. Our scriptures say yes, he actually does. This not only happens to this Joseph, but the other famous Joseph, Jesus' dad, uh, receives two dreams, one in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2 uh, is the other. And the first dream tells him, uh, take a wife, take Mary as your wife, uh, the baby that's in her is the work of the Lord, 
don't be afraid. And the second one is to protect Joseph and his family. And he says, uh, go to Egypt, Joseph, take your family, get away and come back after the king that's trying to kill Jesus uh, is dead. That's pretty significant. Uh, I'd say, okay, is this something that just happens in the past though? Does God still speak through dreams today? I had one of the craziest experiences of my life 12 years ago. It was August 6th in the middle of the night. I dreamed, I dreamed that there was a girl and a guy and they were sitting on a bridge and uh, she was painting and he was sitting there and they were talking and then he fell off the bridge and it was like he was pierced with light and a voice said, uh, it was his voice and he says, I'll be okay. And then she was by an oak tree uh, and there was like the number six randomly there. What? <laughs> I woke up it, 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 just like a cold sweat and I was like, okay, I need to write this down because that was really vivid and really memorable. So I went back to the friends that I was living with uh, in uh, Minneapolis and I was in a, in a prayer meeting with some friends and they were praying over one of my friends, a girl, and I was like, what, what happened? And then one of, somebody said, for those of you who don't know, uh, my friend had a, uh, one of her friends named uh, Nick Spihar. Uh, in that night, that, that same night that I had the dream, about two hours apart, he died. He was part of Navy SEAL Team 6. She had been commissioned by him to make her a painting. And they were trying to decide what tree to plant in his honor, oak tree. And all of that lined up, and it was a great word of comfort to her to hear the words, I'll be okay. And I think God uses dreams uh, to love his people through. We look at any of those three instances, Joseph uh, from the Old Testament dreams, Joseph in the New Testament dreams, uh, or this situation with my friend, uh, God was showing extreme love and care and speaking in a way that, you know, to call back to last week, uh, at a time when, when our defenses are down and we can hear from him in a unique way. As a side point that I think bears uh, needing to be said, sometimes, um, sometimes science has answers that religion can't quite get to, and sometimes religion has answers that sometimes science can't quite get to. Um, I don't know that anybody with a scientific background could tell me how and why I had that dream, but when I open this old book of fairy tales, uh, it's pretty clear, well, God does this. This is just basic. It's Christianity 101 right here. So moving on in the story of Joseph, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had some dreams that needed interpreting. He had one where there's seven healthy cows, and then there's seven skinny cows, and the skinny cows eat the healthy cows. Weird. Then there's another one where there's like seven uh, stalks of corn that look really good, and then seven really like withery and diseased corns, and the diseased corn eats the healthy corn. Also weird. So Pharaoh's saying, all right, somebody's got to be able to help me out with this, right? 
all of his wise men can't do it, his staffers can't do it, but there's this guy who works for Pharaoh who brings him his wine and he's like, oh, hey, there's this guy named Joseph when I was in prison and he interpreted a dream for me. Maybe he can do that for you too. Pharaoh's like, well, bring him. So uh, Joseph comes up and he interprets that dream and he says, uh, essentially, those seven, those seven uh, sick cows or the sick corn, those are seven years of famine that are going to come after seven years of plenty. So Joseph, using his brilliant administrative mind, says, hey, what we need to do is over the next seven years, we're going to have a lot of stuff. Let's stock it up. So for the next seven years after that in famine, we can pull out of it, uh, pull out of our reserves. And by doing that, Joseph saved Egypt. And not only that, but his own family who sold him off. I can't tell the whole story. There's a whole lot. It's Genesis 37 through 50, so there's a whole lot there. Uh, but read the story. I was reading it over this past week, and it's just, it's an emotional roller coaster. But the, the linchpin at the very end, what Joseph says, which you may have heard before, Joseph says to his brothers, he says, uh, you meant it for evil, what you did for me. What you did to me, I should say. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Another type of dream isn't just something that happens when you're asleep, but something that happens when you're awake. And this is something like a vision or a wish or a hope for your preferred future. I think a great example here uh, in our history, Martin Luther King Jr., his famous I Have a Dream speech. I was listening to that this week, and it is powerful. I don't know if you know, he was reading on script uh, for a good part of his speech until uh, Mavis Jackson, who was a friend of his, who had apparently had heard him speak a bunch of times before, she just yells to him. She says, tell him about the dream, Martin. And then he goes off book and he leans into it saying things like, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. And unlike me staring down at the paper to read that, he, that when he starts that I have a dream section, his eyes are up and they are lit and he is just going because he knows what that dream is. It's dream is something you can have when you're awake. And he was killed for it. Big dreams can be dangerous. They said to him the same thing that they said of Joseph. Look out, here comes that dreamer. I wonder if God has a dream. I wonder if God has a dream. You know, we look at Jesus's story he comes back to his hometown. Now, this is in Mark 6. I don't know if you've read Mark, but Mark 1 through 5 are packed full of, of miracles, of healings, of uh, encounters that he had with people that were not well, that he makes well. And then he goes to his hometown and he heals just a few sick people and was amazed at their lack of faith. That's incredible to me that Jesus is amazed. He's amazed twice he's, uh, that I know of in scripture. One is that a centurion who says, Jesus, you don't even have to come into my house. Just say the word and I'll be, and, and my, uh, 
my child will be healed, her servant. Uh, and uh, Jesus says, well, he was amazed at his faith. Uh, and here Jesus is amazed at a lack of faith. But I think Jesus, in doing what he was doing, in declaring that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and by showing it, by healing people, he was enacting God's dream. And God's dream is for God's kingdom to be here, here and now. I believe that is God's dream, and that's his vision for the preferred future, because all throughout uh, the story of Scripture, that's what he's moving us toward all the way through the end of Revelation. Something that's a lot more like he designed in the beginning than we've, what we've made it out to be in the middle. He wants us to bring us to an end. Well, Jesus was also killed for enacting God's dream. Here comes that dreamer. But once again, the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Jesus was raised to life and in that whole process, he freed us from sin, he conquered death, and he created a new humanity where Jesus makes us family. That's right. This is God's dream for his people, that we would be his. So what about us? What's your dream? What's your hoped-for vision of the future? Is it retirement? Is it to buy a boat? Is it to have a family someday? Um, is it to be upside down in a mortgage? I don't know. Probably not. That's a terrible dream. My job, or not my, my job, my dream uh, for the longest time was to have the job, the wife, and the kids. And it's interesting because like now I have those. I love being here and I love what we're able to do together love my wife, and I love my kids. And uh, it's kind of like, now what? Right? <laughs> At the time, it felt like the biggest dream in the world. Like, oh man, what, how am I going to get all this? And now it's like, okay. It, it seems kind of small in comparison to something like uh, one of our major mission partners, Mission of Hope. I love theirs. Life transformation for every man, woman, and child. Boom! That is a huge God-sized dream. It's massive. I love it. Well, we have some dreams here at CGLC. One is that we would see grace in every corner of our community, that we would, that we would have that type of vision, that when we go into a place, uh, we, we can ask, okay, Lord, what are you doing here in this situation with my family, with my job? Uh, when I walk into this convenience store, how can I see what you're already doing here? Because you always go before me. I'm going behind you and I'm trying to keep in step with you, Lord. What are you doing here? That's what it means to see grace and then to do something with him in that as far as we are able. That's one of our dreams. Another one is that we would make lifelong disciples of Jesus. I like being and making disciples of Jesus, but I love the word lifelong that I just like to stick in there because uh, one thing that we've learned and found and one thing I've, I've seen and experienced is that the biggest place that we drop off in our discipleship is in transitions. Transitioning from high school to college, college to 
whatever's after college, uh, the gap between college and having a job. Uh, basically, when you move back in with your parents is what I'm saying. Uh, getting married, having kids, the, the death in the family, all these different transitions, retirement. These are all places where it's like, okay, I've known what it's like to follow Jesus in this season, but now I'm in this season, and I don't know how to get there. Um, and we want to be able to help each other get there. That's a dream. We have a dream that God would do something we haven't yet dreamed. And that's why we're asking you to fill out the map, the uh, ministry assessment profile, why we're working with Kairos and Jeff Chelberg, uh, because we want to say, God, what is your dream here and now in White Bear Lake and our surrounding community? And how can we and our 15 acres be a part of that? Because you're doing something and we see it, but we don't yet perceive it and we need your help. If you haven't been praying into that church, please start praying into that. This is a big, big deal, all right? Another big dream is, uh, for me is that God would continue working in and through us uh, in a unique way. Not just playing church, and here's a great illustration to say what I mean by that. My wife and I and our kids, we've got some plants next to our house. There's some tomato plants, there's some, some par, uh, parsley, some basil. Um, and all summer, we've been watering these. And it was at the beginning of June, we got them, we put them out there. The tomatoes are fine, but these herb plants, I water them every day, right? And they're not growing. <laughs> so like halfway through June, we're at the farmer's market, uh, and uh, Melanie's like, hey, do you think we should get some new starter plants? And I kind of looked at them. And it just felt like work to me. So I was like, I think I'm satisfied watering plants that won't grow. <laughs> and I'm still watering them. It's September. They're still not growing. I sure hope that this ministry and what we're doing here isn't just watering plants that aren't growing. Okay? The things that we do, I want them to have effect to bear fruit, that we would be so deeply rooted in Jesus that we make Disciples and good fruit. I heard them both. Deep roots make good fruit. That's a dream that I have for our congregation. I know that's as a staff, uh, as council, I know that's what we want to see. So today, one of the ways that want to help you get connected to that dream is this ministry fair. We want to see you, how you can connect with worship, I want to see you connect with uh, different groups and service opportunities. We've got camps that are doing amazing things. We've got things like FCA. We've got uh, just different organizations that are in and through our congregation. It's incredible, all the things that we're partnered with. And as you go over there and you look to see, like, you know, what can I get connected with? I think there will be some amazing smaller opportunities that you can uh, say, yes, that's a good one. I can invest a few hours a week into that or an hour a week or do that on a Sunday um, or do it once a month or as it becomes available. And that's awesome. And I hope that there is that. But I also want some big volunteers. And I think that there are some of you who haven't stepped up because you haven't been asked to do something big enough. And if that scares the dickens out of you, then I'm not talking to you. <laughs> but somebody in here, a few people, their radars just went up and went, what's that about? 
I want to make a leadership develop pipeline. I want to make a whole discipleship making program. I want to do all these things and I don't have the bandwidth for it. So if you're like, I got big guns, I'm like, really want to just, then come talk to me, okay? This is where we're at. We need Joseph-sized volunteers who shape a country because they're willing, because God has equipped them with something and put them in a position to do something like this. All right, so we're gonna reframe the dream question then from what is your dream, that's what I asked at the beginning, but what is God's dream for you? Because that's, I think, where the question needs to get to. And that's the conversations my wife and I need to have. You know, the, we got the job, the wife, the kids. Okay, so now what? You know, what is God's dream for us and what does it have to do with his dream? And how are we gonna live into that? We don't know yet. But it's time to pray into it and move toward it. And I'm excited to see what he's gonna do because God does amazing things with people who are willing to dream his dreams. I have a note here. Uh, I took a class recently and it was just such a good question um, about preaching that said, did Jesus have to die for you to preach your sermon? Um, because or else it's just good advice, not good news. Um, and I, I thought that that reflected our, our dreams too. Did, did Jesus have to die? Does, did that have to happen for the dream that God gave you to come true? Um, because if it's just a nice retirement, that's not it. Um, but if it's making disciples, yeah, making disciples of Jesus, that was a part of it. So he might have another dream for you if it, if it wasn't required, but we just need to be willing to ask him for it. And I know your hearts. I've worked with you. I've served with you. I've eaten with you. We've laughed together and played together, and I know that's what you want. Um, so let's pray. Let's pray now for God to give us his dreams. Gracious and merciful God, you speak to us through your word. Thank you for all the people who passed it down so that we could have your stories today to inform our lives and to shape our hearts. God, thank you for the new life that you give us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way that you bring us uh, into salvation. That you've not only saved us from something, but you save us to something and into a life with you. And I pray that as your people and as your church, we steward what we've been given that we won't just be watering herb plants that don't produce fruit, but that we continue to come to you, uh, the master gardener, to help prune and shape and, and grow what you want to grow. Would you fill us with your spirit, God, that we only get from you? Would you move us in ways that we didn't know we could and would be moved, but we are willing to go, Lord? Show us your dreams. Help us to dream on. Let us take joy when people say, here comes that dreamer. We pray this all confident that you will answer. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen.